On today's episode of the Drive-In Podcast, we have our review of Paul Schrader's The Card Counter. We have the Express Checkup with Dr. O. We have a nice trailer roundup this week. And then we have our top billing of greatest gambling movies. So use the bathroom now, grab your popcorn, and enjoy the 54th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. Take one. Bada bing, bada boom. The Driving Podcast is back with our 54th episode. I am joined by Ricky Flicks and Nets. Boys, how we feeling? Football season's here. How our fantasy teams look. Nez, we'll start with you. Well, the Jets fought hard yesterday, but they lost. Still proud of the team. They look decent. Um, lost all my bets. One fantasy team, I have the most points in the league. And the other fantasy team, I'm losing in an upset loss. So uh, I don't know how to feel. I guess it's pretty, pretty mediocre. You know, I'm just like right in the middle. I'm just honestly, you know what? I'm happy that football's back. How about that? I'm just happy that football is back and I get to sit and do nothing on Sundays for hours. It sounds like mixed reviews for your week one. Mixed reviews. M- mixed to say the least, yeah. I, I was keeping a close, uh, close eye on the bottom line during red zone to keep an eye on uh, Zach Wilson's stats and see how he was doing. I think the stats were a little misleading at the beginning of the game when I saw one for six, one for seven for like six yards. And I'm getting, I'm, he, start, start, he started he started one for ten, yeah. Oh my gosh! But then I saw I saw there was some drop passes and things of that nature, some classic like uh, mishaps from the Jets. But yeah, I'm glad I'm glad that they made it a ball game, and it's like classical, like classic, like a uh, low scoring Sam Darnold game where he keeps the other team in it. So mm, yeah, you know? you know Zach Wilson, he leads the AFC East in touchdown passes. So. Boom. Take that, Mac Jones. <laughs> Flickster. Week one was pretty big for our team. Pretty big. Yeah, I don't to- want to get too hyped up after week one, but it's looking good so far. Come on, Rick. You got to get a little excited. Taking down the Bills, the potential AFC East uh, contenders. Super Bowl pick. Yeah, I, was, yeah, I, I should say a uh, uh, Super Bowl contender. Could they take down the Chiefs? People are people are murmuring. People are oh, starting to murmur. Who's murmuring? I will stay quiet. Come on, I, I would say they're, they're, they're the number two team. I think that would take on the Bills, unless you take the Browns. Ravens haven't played yet. Okay. Ravens haven't played. They've been decimated with injuries though. At the running back position. Okay. Talking about coming out of the know. AFC East, out of the AFC. Yeah. You got any uh, any sleepers there? Uh, the Dolphins have a great roster wow to a guy um i hate the dolphins but they have a good roster uh you know i i don't know i don't like to hype you guys up too much because you'll you'll do that on your own so Steelers sleeper Steelers sleeper um but are they a sleeper if they like made the playoffs how many years in a row are they still a sleeper they were they absolutely crapped on last year after their undefeated start i guess it was a fraud like type of start due to the strength of schedule and everything like of that like, like that, and the Browns are heavy favorites to win the division. You got like Lamar and the Ravens. Like it's a, 
we're, I th- I, people are projecting the Steelers to come in last, which, are, is, which is kind of shocking. That never happens. So I would say we're a bit of an wow. underdog. Sure. Yeah, you can wear those. Wear that. Fine. I just can't believe Big Ben is still out there running around. Like, it's not like he takes care of his body. I mean, Jesus. Anyways, I have a story to tell. Bring not it. football related. Bring it. I finally, I'm, as usual, I'm like two weeks behind on movies. I struggle. But uh, I went to uh, the AMC in Boston, and I went and I saw uh, Candyman, finally. And I'm sitting there, and I'm watching the movie. I I enjoyed the movie. I loved the movie, actually. I thought it was great. But I'm sitting in the theater, and I'm I'm not making this up, guys. I'm very serious that this happened, like, during this creepy, scary movie. A light, a single light in the in the theater over my right shoulder. It just like flickered on for like a, like a second and then flickered off. And I turned to the person next to me. I was like, "Did you see that?" And they were like, "Shut up, shut up, do not mess with me right now." I'm like, "No, I'm not kidding. I'm like, I'm not like I swear." And they're like, "I don't even want to know. Stop talking. I'm freaked out as it is." They were a little scared, but I don't know what that means. I, 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 I don't know, but there was a light that flickered. It really messed with me. And I wasn't that scared during the movie, but that, that freaked me out. And the next day I'm walking down. I got some groceries, some flowers in my hand. Wow. And a bee just comes flying into the flowers and gets stuck in the flowers and starts buzzing. Oh, when no. I, you, I chucked the flowers on the ground and oh. ran in the opposite direction. Smart move. Smart move. What? Am I supposed to become the candy man? Yeah, you had to get rid of those flowers. You had no choice. Was Am sign. I supposed to? No. It was a sign. Yeah. After all that, I I no, no way. <laughs> I, I mean, so that's I, my story. I don't dude, know. I was so nervous you were gonna say that you dipped your hand in to try and get the bee out yes. and then you got stung. I was so scared you were gonna say that. Oh yeah. no, 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 no. And and I, I have another thing. So can't I don't think this is a spoiler for people who haven't seen it, but you you summon the Candyman supposedly allegedly by saying it five times in the mirror, and that's what they do in the movie. Are you the type of person to go back like when you're with your friends after watching the movie and go do it and start saying it? No, it's no I'm up. not. Never. I'm it's a little up. superstitious. There's no way. But I know some people. I was getting we were getting dinner the next day with some friends, and like this couple that her boyfriend was like. That like we got home from the movie and she said it five times in the mirror and I'm like in, uh, in, I would be leave, like leave that dinner <laughs> walk out I, w- I would say filing a restraining order right now like I cannot be associated with the type of person that would do that no way no no, no, no. way impossible no. like that 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 would end a friendship for me <laughs> that would end a friendship for me like if you like like that stuff like first of all if I see a horror movie I don't see them like often if I do see one. They're stuck in my head for at least a month, a month and a half. So the Candyman has been deeply engraved in my mind. And I would be in, I'd be a liar if I said it didn't cross my mind when I, after I shower, I'm looking straight in the mirror to say it five times. But will I do it? No. Never. Will I, I'll probably get to like twice. Maybe I'll say it maybe three times, but that's it. That's as far as I go. Never. I don't want that on me. No evil on me. I'll never say it once. Yeah, you can't. You just can't. But yeah, that's my story. The Light flicker, and then I got attacked by a bee. And speaking of uh, horror movies, Naz, 
you know, what hit just, well, what just hit uh, HBO max is Cloverfield. So I do have a chance to watch Cloverfield now because it's on HBO max guys. Come on. Just got on. It's in the queue. Field time. Cloverfield it's in the queue. time. Good. Good. It's on the queue. All right. Uh, let's get to the checkup. What do you boys say? One more moment, doctor. Bringing you the latest news in the movie industry. This is the checkup with Dr. O. Dr. O, check us out. Christopher Nolan is set to direct a film about J. Robert Oppenheimer's role in the development of the atom bomb during World War II. Killian Murphy is rumored to be involved with the project. The movie is said to be shopped around following the deteriorating relationship between Christopher Nolan and Warner Brothers. Next up on the checkup, the runtime for No Time to Die is going to be two hours and 43 minutes. Wow, just this is the longest runtime for any James Bond movie ever. Disney is committed to releasing all six of the remaining 20, 2021 films theatrically. Each film will have a theatrical exclusive 45-day window, except Encanto, which will have a 30-day window on before releasing over on Disney+. A Batman spinoff series about Penguin is in the early works at HBO Max. Colin Farrell's been approached to reprise his role as the villain from the Batman. It's described as a Scarface-like series about the rise of the Penguin character in the criminal underworld. Next up on the checkup, Andy Garcia will join Sylvester Stallone and several other returning stars from the franchise in the upcoming sequel, The Expendables 4. Garcia will reportedly be playing a CIA agent assigned to accompany The Expendables on their next dangerous mission. His character making up a new member of the team. Lastly on the checkup, we have Keegan-Michael Key being cast alongside Timothy Chalamet and Paul King's Willy Wonka origin movie, Wonka. That's going to do it for the checkup this week. Ricky Flex, let's get to Christopher Nolan, new movie, J. Robert Oppenheimer, Adam Bomb, thoughts. Okay, so you all know that this is my guy. This is my favorite director. He shares the same birthday. Christopher Nolan, my favorite, fil- favorite filmmaker. Now, people are saying on the internet, this isn't a Christopher Nolan movie. People are saying that. Well, may I remind you, the prestige that has his scientific elements this is reminding me just focusing on those scientific elements at a greater scale here. And with what interstellar consequences, atomic bomb. So I like that combination for Christopher Nolan, an historical event. You saw him do that with Dunkirk. I think that he's going to kill it again. And again, he's shopping around his film. We've talked about it before. Where is he going to go? Sony was a possibility. Dr. Rowe, that's, that's his favorite. And I think it has now become my favorite as well. Quentin Tarantino went to Sony. Uh, after the Weinstein debacle there, I, for his theatrical release, Sony is adamant about theatrical releases not associated to any streamers. That is my, if I had to put betting odds, that is probably the favorite. Hulu, Disney, definitely probably not. Netflix, they're signing filmmakers left and right, so I wouldn't be surprised, but still not favorites. And Universal, Halloween Kills is going to go on Peacock now. So I'm not going to put them ahead of Sony either. So I really think that it's going to be Sony's to lose if they want Christopher Nolan's next film, which I think will be awesome. You know what? For the record, I think Sony too. But thank you for bringing up that new Halloween movie because I saw that trailer when I was at the theater last week. (laughs) Like, are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding me? How are they still coming out with movies? The Halloween movie. When was the previous sequel even made? Like years ago. They made 
made the well they made a they made other Halloween movies right after the first one and then they rebooted it with Jamie Lee Curtis again and she's still it. Why? Uh, it's too much. It's way too much. It, it's Mike Mike And who's going? Who's watching these movies? I don't know. But like, people Somebody. love like the like when they brought by, back Jamie Lee Curtis, it was a way to revitalize the franchise, get like the old fans to come watch again and like they she has, she's a classic horror like actress, so like People love mm-hmm. that stuff. And Michael Myers is just a great villain. And seeing like Jamie Lee Curtis's character and Michael Myers again, people just go crazy for it. They go nuts. It's unbelievable. All right. Anyway, sorry. I kind of hijacked the conversation there, but I do agree <laughs> with Flicks that I think it's, I think Sony is the, the one. He, I, I don't think uh, Nolan wants any of his releases going to stream any streaming services. Exactly. But if there was to be a Nolan movie that does hit a streaming service, it might be this one. We're talking about a historical biopic. What yeah. I, my, my kind of like theory here is that it's going to go into the development of the bomb, maybe the testing of the bomb. So you're going to get those classic Nolan visuals, or he's going to make somehow a biopic more engaging or more entertaining and exhilarating than any other biopic that's ever happened. Just because he has that box office appeal. We've seen what he's done with special effects. If he was going to do a biopic, it's, it's, about, it's about the guy who made the atomic bomb. I think it's yeah. a pretty sick idea. Um, this might also be like Nolan going for a little more Oscar appeal, a little more, uh, I guess, awards appeal in general, just because his other films, they're usually tied to like visual effects. Probably, I know he loves his practical effects, scores of his movie, but this one might be like, okay, we're going for maybe a best director. Maybe we're going for uh, maybe more of the acting categories, similar to like a Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. He doesn't really have those strong performances that consistently get nominated. Like name another Nolan movie where someone got nominated for an Oscar. Other than Ledger. I don't think you can. Right? And I don't know if Killian Murphy's gonna be targeted for this role, like as Oppenheimer, but I hope it's a substantial one because I wanna see him like at the forefront of a Nolan movie, like rather than just a supporting character. I think he's like, he's paid his dues. He's at the end of Peaky Blinders. I love Killian Murphy too. I would love him, I'd love for him to be Bond, to be honest, but uh, that's, I guess that's my two cents. No, valid. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I, like that—that's huge news. That's probably the biggest news of the week. Like, Christopher well, Nolan doing a movie this, like, this soon after Tenet. Like, that's kind of a surprise. Yeah, I mean, uh, Batman spinoff series about the Penguin sounds oh, pretty legit. That does, and that on came, HBO nonetheless. And that came right before the che- like uh, we we recorded our episode. I know I stumbled a bit when we were reading the checkup because I was like a little thrown off. Ricky Flicks threw in a couple other like uh, bullet points as I was reading. I did. I was like, I didn't remember writing that. Couple but, wrinkles. Uh, the Scarface like aspect is pretty sick. It's pretty cool. But the thing is, I'm a little nervous that they're setting up this show. They're setting up the Gotham City PD show way before like the Batman is even released. It has me a little nervous. Like we don't know how the movie's literally going to perform. Yes, I love the trailer. Uh, it's phenomenal. Everyone loves the trailer. But is it premature to be greenlighting all these shows before we know how the movie's going to do? What do you guys think about that? Yes, but it shows how confident they are in this movie. I know I've mentioned it before and we all love the trailer. Like, this movie looks like it's going to be something special. Special. And even if the movie is just okay, but they fall in love with these characters, then there's still something to work with and valid uh, to have spinoff shows for them. So I, I still think this is a positive sign, but I do see your point. And yes, the hint of pessimism, pessimism is hinting in the back of my head. It's kind of scary. It's kind of scary bit. how they're greenlighting all these projects. Next, we're probably going to get like a, a Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman 
for HBO Max, which I would love to see, but I also want to see the actual movie first. Like, let's see how successful this is. And like Warner Brothers in DC, they're known for getting ahead of themselves, wanting to catch up to other superhero powers, the Marvel, like such as the MCU and everything like that. But let's just make the movie first. I know they're like, they're, they're also making a, like Matt Reese is involved in a Batman animated series too, with Bruce Tim, who did the original animated series back in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. They, I want them to slow it up a little bit. Maybe like, cause I, I know we're going to need a Batman sequel. Like let's hone in here and not worry about building this universe before the first movie comes. Yes. And I also want to mention something I forgot to put on the checkup, forgot to read is something for Nez because I caught it as at the at the end of the at the end of the checkup. Warner Brothers is developing new projects with characters from Mortal Kombat. So Nez, I was just wanted to ask you what characters you want to see get their own either HBO Max series or movie. I mean, you know the usuals: Johnny Cage, Raiden, um, Sub Zero, Scorpion. Definitely not whatever the guy, that guy's name was that they just invented. Um, and, and I don't know. There's a lot. There's a right. lot that I would like. But you know what I'd like even more? I like Mortal Kombat, but it's my second favorite fighting game, video game. The one with the real, like, a really good story that can be followed from game to game is Tekken. Tekken deserves its own movie or series. Maybe limited series, but series. There was a really good story about the Tekken, the Tekken tournament, and... I think that it needs to be explored cinematically. So trying to think of some, of somebody that would direct it. (laughs) I don't know. The fight sequences could be sick for that movie. Michael Bay. If you're listening, (laughs) that's who popped in my mind immediately too. (laughs) But but we like, screw it. Let's say Daniel Creighton from Shang-Chi. Let's get him to do it. Some hand-to-hand combat scenes. That'd be cool. No, those, those, yeah, there's, those are like those games and like the, the stories involved are incredible, incredible. But um, yeah, it, it, that was beautiful. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think there's a lot of different things that you can explore with each character. They each have their own story. So I think the easiest would be Johnny Cage, but yeah. That'd be cool. And I know they teased him at the end of the, I think it was a post-credit scene for the first Mortal Kombat movie. Maybe they're teasing, like, I know he's, he's probably gonna be in the sequel, but it could be teasing a show or t- teasing mm. his own movie. I think it's been, it was popular enough with audiences as the most streamed movie ever on HBO Max that like, it, it's, it's warranted that they get these projects spinning, uh, spinoffs from it, you know? Yes. And Flickster, I, I knew More you were about to than a Snyder Cut. <laughs> yes. It's conspiracy theory still alive from Ricky Flix. Conspiracy theory is still alive. And Flix, I thought you were going to mention another storyline. You were yes. simply nodding your head when I was about to speak. What were you I couldn't say? type fast enough while you were reading. But okay. besides the Nolan news... I think this is the biggest news of the week. Oh, Jesus. And it might just be a rumor, but just bear with me. Soggy Bottom, Paul Thomas Anderson's next movie that's coming out in November, and it's getting rumored as the best movie of the year, has a title, and it's not Soggy Bottom. I meant to put this on the checkup. I do know what you're talking about. Licorice Pizza. That is the rumor of the movie. So in case you haven't heard this... uh, this rumor random movie theaters this past week have gotten the first trailer for what was soggy bottom but now licorice pizza and it has been revealed in these random trailers and a, a random movie theater is getting this trailer so there's very few if you are one of them listening to this podcast 
like comments and share with us how was the trailer because there are very few people have seen this because movie theaters aren't packed right now obviously so even even it's just insane how barely anyone in the world has seen this trailer but again 1970 san uh, Fernando valley follows a high school student who is a successful child star who is that bradley uh bradley cooper who's also in this movie philip seymour hoffman's son cooper hoffman so Really looking forward to this movie. The movie and uh, the music and soundtrack is going to be fantastic. I cannot wait. Paul Thomas Anderson's next film has a title. So Cooper Hoffman starring is pretty. Uh, it's pretty exciting. Phil, like we see in PTA, his his relationship with Philip Seymour Hoffman is pretty cool. It's almost similar uh, to um, Michael Gandolfini taking up the role of Anthony Soprano from his dad, right? For the next Sopranos movie, it's almost like on that level, and. Something of revealing about the movie. First of all, licorice pizza, disgusting. What a what a sicko. That's, that's the most disgusting thing I've ever heard in my life. But I did do some research. Licorice pizza was a, a successful record. Seventies, yes. like it was a records chain, right, where they sold music. So that's another sign. PTA movies usually like set soundtrack. in seventies. Think Boogie Nights, amazing soundtracks. Right. So I think Nez is going to like that aspect for sure. We're going to get that on vinyl. All right, and we'll have to jam out to it. And Bradley Cooper, with the way he's looking, the pictures that have surfaced, he's got the hair, he's got the style, he looks like he's a member of the Bee Gees, uh, for God's sake. Yeah, so his character character is John Peters, who I guess was a popular hairdresser during that time that turned into like a Hollywood powerhouse. Mogul. Yeah, mogul. Yeah, so that's going to be a really interesting character to follow as well. And again... Is this going to be Paul Thomas's chance for an Oscar? Bradley Cooper's chance for an Oscar? I don't know, but let's see. Well, thank you, Ricky Flux, for bringing that news up. That's going to do it for the checkup this week. I do want to go to a trailer roundup because we had two exciting trailers. One that we just missed. One that we just missed with Matrix Resurrections. Matrix Resurrections, we ought to talk about it. Keanu Reeves is back. Carrie Ann Moss is back. Lawrence Fishburne is sadly not back, but who do we have? Yaya returning. Um, just a, this movie's coming out December 22nd, 2021 in theaters and on HBO Max. Nez, do you have any thoughts or have a reaction from on viewing the trailer? Yeah, Barney Stinson sighting? Mm. The Barnacle? And <laughs> Patrick Harris in The Matrix? I'm, I'm intrigued. I, one, you know, I haven't seen... The, mo- the other ones recently, I saw them when I was like a kid and I never watched them again, like the, the sequel and the, and the third Matrix. So I don't really know where it left off. Um, he I died. Might- Neo died, didn't he? So that's what I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't. I really don't remember. I was like not that uh, coherent. I just like really was young. I was like we watched that like a family party a couple times and that was it. Sounded I like remember- a rewatch to me. I think we have to rewatch it because I don't really know what's going on. I don't know why he's doing what he's doing, but it looks kind of badass. I'll give him that. It does. I think it looks, yeah. And we, I know last week we commented on the stills and how he looks so much like the John Wick character. Mm-hmm. I assume he's just shooting back to back with John Wick and that's why he has the beard. We talked about the familiarity people now have with Keanu Reeves and his beard. So it only makes sense why he has it. The action looks pretty cool. You know, if we're coming from the matrix, we're, developing from 1999 when the first one debuted and we're going to 22 years later you assume it's going to be pretty sick 
It's going to be pretty sick action-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love how Yaya looked here with his shades, and then he had, like, the orange jacket. And I was going to see uh, ask Nez if he saw the tweet that I had saying that he looked like he could play a young Marcellus Wallace. <laughs> yeah, I definitely picked up on that when I saw that when I saw that tweet. I was like, huh, yeah, you know what? He's not wrong. Yeah. That, was, no, that, was, that was good. That was good. In the, in the reboot, right, that we're getting? Yeah, the reboot to Pulp Fiction. <laughs> Maybe the series, the uh, the spinoff series on Marcellus. Decent idea. Not bad. Um, but he looked pretty good. And uh, I know, but Lawrence Fishburne is so iconic as his character, as He's the got- trainer too, Neo. Like, like, it's just like, it just makes no, it, it's kind of hard to believe that they recast it. But yeah, yeah, he's a fresh face. He's it's a new A-lister. And we just like watch Candyman, watch him put on a hell of a show. So I'm not that shocked. But like Agent Smith not being here, that's a shot. Agent yeah, Smith? I so Agent Smith. I don't think Hugo Weaving will appear in this movie, just because what we talked about last episode. I believe like just his relationship with Hollywood. Looks like we have a new guy, but yeah, we have a new guy, kind of a replacement. I still think Lawrence Fishburne is too active in Hollywood. He will be in this movie somehow. Morpheus. He has to be. So that that's my bold prediction. He will be in this movie, whether it's for five seconds or five minutes. He'll make an appearance. There's no way they can do that. Now again. Get into the trailer. I don't know if this is going to be good, but it's going to be fun to watch. The effects okay. are just going to make it fun to watch. Keanu Reeves is just going to destroy this role again. Yeah, yeah, looks great. I'm confident in that. It just seems like right now they're capitalizing on this newer generation with Keanu Reeves and the Keanu Sans and the people that miss the Matrix revolution, uh, Matrix like movies. It's people that are like me in, in high school or in college might not have been, even been alive for those, but saw the John Wicks and loved them. People are just going to get more and more people to watch the matrix in this. And he looks like John Wick. So I think that's another reason why he has a, the beard and focusing on that newer generation. I was also going to say, we got to give credit where credit is due. I think the matrix franchise has the coolest names for any characters ever in any series. Neo, Morpheus, Trinity. Trinity. Those are all sick names. Agent <laughs> like Smith. They, Agent I Smith. like that. I don't know. I, I think that's pretty cool. And then, like, like obviously, we want Fishburne back, but I agree. This is a huge popcorn movie. This is the definition of a popcorn movie. Re, re, like, basically, re, re, it's not a reboot, but it kind of feels like it because Neo technically did die. So it is, like, trying to, like, almost capture a new audience, right, with these, uh, mm-hmm. with the, uh, like you said, the Keanu songs. Right. Uh, all right. We, I just want to bring up really quick, we had the Hawkeye trailer uh, for the new Disney Plus series. So it looks like it's like a Christmas-themed Disney Plus series where Hawkeye is stuck in New York City. It looks like he's training Kate Bishop, who is played by Haley Steinfeld. Um, it's coming out November 24th on Disney Plus. Any, uh, any quick takeaways from this trailer, Flex? Haley Steinfeld looks pretty good. Uh, I think she'll be good in this role. And Hawkeye, not a core Avenger. I don't care what you say. I don't really care for him. Worst. We'll, we'll watch it, but we'll not be happy to watch it kind of shocked that this wasn't on the jeremy renner app when i checked anti jeremy renner podcast trailer was not on there now did you get a chance to watch it uh i did not i boycott jeremy renner outside of the avengers <laughs> don't blame you all right uh yeah it should be it should be semi-interesting it's gonna have the same vibes as like black widow like we're not gonna see this guy yeah. again like it's yeah. just like it's a, it's almost like why are we even doing it you know the last I guess it's, it's for hawkeye elena belova right from black widow probably going to make an appearance is going to yeah. make an appearance and then the building up Kate Bishop is basically the next Hawkeye. Yeah. All right. 
that's going to do it for the trailer roundup. We are now going to move on to our review of Paul Schrader's The Card Counter. All right, Ricky, flex. Okay. Me and you for this review. We saw The Card Counter in theaters Saturday night. And all I got to say is what an interesting watch. What a fascinating watch. <laughs> That's one this way to is, say it. I know we, when we left the theaters, I gave a wow. You gave more of a, I have to really marinate and think about what, what I just like processed, what I just witnessed. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's got 85% of Rotten Tomatoes. It's got 44% for audiences. Shocking. 44%. What a disparity. IMDb is set at 6.8 out of 10. I'm going to give you the synopsis, and then we're going to dive into the movie. So synopsis reads, Redemption is the long game, and Paul Schrader's The Card Counter. Told with Schrader's trademark cinematic intensity, the revenge thriller tells the story of an ex-military interrogator turned gambler haunted by the ghosts of his past decisions and features riveting performances from stars Oscar Isaac, Tiffany Haddish, Ty Sheridan, and Willem Dafoe. That's the Rotten Tomato synopsis. It might be a little bit generous in that last sentence. We're going to get into it. But Ricky Flicks, I want to get... I want to I want to go more into your thoughts on your like uh, I guess you've had time to marinate. It's been two days, yes. right? And I guess I want to start off with saying, was this a boring movie or was this just an enjoyable slow burn thriller? I think it's somewhere in the middle. So, without spoiling anything, I think the first half of this movie, the first two thirds, was the first act was boring. The first act, I thought there was some poor acting. I felt like a lot of the characters around or a lot of the actors around Oscar Isaac were just reading the script and Oscar Isaac was the one that actually was acting and showing himself his character and the others were just around him and just there. And there's nothing against Oscar Isaac, but I do think that did hurt the movie as a whole. And it's a movie that's with Oscar Isaac and every single minute of it almost. So it's just like that kind of hurts the movie as a whole, but the third act that it, it almost paid off for the entire movie it, it like just you that, almost almost i'm not gonna say like the, the third act was a masterpiece but i'll say the third act was very good to make this movie worth seeing will i say it was a masterpiece no will i say it's a great movie no but i'll say that as a whole the third act made up for them almost the entirety of the of the whole movie interesting i thought the third act exploded it really had me on the edge of my seat. Was this movie boring? I would say at points that I would say, I wouldn't say it's boring. I would say, first of all, it's not for everybody. Paul Strader makes very intense films. A lot of them mm-hmm. are like characters that are dark, that are cynical. He doesn't have a positive view on the world. So if you're looking to really <laughs> well, have an enjoy, right. like we're talking tax, the writer of taxi driver here in raging. Yeah. Bull. So I think you should, that's, that's something you should go in knowing. Last temptation so, of Christ. The last temptation of Christ. Exactly. Right. Falls through. I need to say I was, my eyes were wide open. There was never a point where I thought about leaving the theater. I thought what kept this movie going was one, the intensity and the performance of Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac, in my opinion, slayed this movie. I think like he matched the intensity that Schrader wrote this movie. The character that he has, has such a presence and he does a great job of like acting without saying a word, acting, physical acting, even his stillness has a presence in this movie. You know this man is built up and pent up with all this rage, and you know he's been through some crap. You know he's been through some yes. things. And you didn't have to say it, but what kept you in the movie, first of all, that first third is finding out what he did that was so bad. 
Cause that's what Tiffany Haddish is asking. And you felt like you were an audience member when she's asking that question, like what the heck did he do? That mm-hmm. was so terrible. And then once you find out what he did, you know, he is a threat and it's probably not going to end well for somebody in this film. So it was captivating. I never thought it was boring, but it really kept you on your toes in my opinion. Um, I, I wouldn't say, but kept you on your toes. I, I feel like just more intrigued, not on my toes. I, I was just intrigued by what he did. And you knew he was in the military because he was in a military prison. Uh, so you were just like, huh, what did he do to get there? And obviously that's what he doesn't want to mention. And I, and I think I was just more intrigued. I wasn't on my toes. I was on my toes after I found out what he did. And then I don't want to spoil anything, not spoil this section. But then I was like, holy crap, I don't know what's going to happen next, which made it interesting. That's maybe more appropriate. Like on your toes, maybe not not as much, more of intrigue because it's the third act where you're like, this guy was going to snap. Whether he's at the World Series of Poker Table, whether he's in somebody's house, whether he's on the road, you just were wondering what was going to happen, how you knew kind of, you kind of knew like something negative was going to happen. There's only two outcomes possible at the end of this movie. But either way, I still think, he commanded the screen well. And you brought up a couple other performances that you didn't exactly enjoy. I think it's time to get into them, right? We had Tiffany Haddish with a bold casting, right? More of mm-hmm. a bombastic personality with most of her movies. She, she's talked about how this movie means a lot to her. It's a very serious role. She said she took this movie because she considers herself a gambler, a quote unquote gambler in life. So it kind of makes sense that she takes this role. Paul Schrader, he's worked with so many serious actors in his career. Tiffany Haddish just doesn't line up. And in my opinion, Haddish goes from, this is a intense movie and she doesn't really, even when she's trying to be intense, like her personality shines through a little bit too much in a way where it takes away from what Oscar Isaac is doing and throws off the chemistry a bit. So in my opinion, Haddish is miscast. I think Schrader knows she's miscast. He was just trying to be bold with the movie. So I, I agree with every single thing you said, except I won't agree with miscast. I'll just, I'll, uh, I will, I'll agree with miscast as in I don't think she was the person to play it, but I think a charismatic, outgoing person was supposed to play this role as she is, uh, what do they call it, a stabler? Or uh, she was like, yeah. yeah. So like she's going out and recruiting talent. Like think of HR people. They always are out there and outgoing and always happy, right? So I do think the type of personality was correct. I just don't think that in the serious aspects, the dramatic aspects, uh, when she's trying to vibe chemistry-wise with Oscar Isaac, I just don't think that went well. So Miss Cass, yes, as in I would have had someone else that's a charismatic person that could also uh, carry the dramatic effect and serious aspects of the movie as this is a very serious movie for the most part uh, the entire time so but i just i think that this type of person was the correct avenue what he was trying to target i guess i guess i guess you need some type of like i I, for that character i guess you need to be a a approachable personable but when Mm -hmm. it came to be like serious i didn't buy it yeah i I just don't i think it hurt like i think her natural tendencies to be like a overjoyous person bombastic person really like it really did shine through and then for ty sheridan um i think that's i i kind of assumed that's who you were talking about when they said you thought they were just reading the script mm-hmm. i'm not going to put him in in that category really i thought he was powerful in his final performance with i like in the final scene 
with Oscar Isaac, like the emotion really shined through. He was kind of his character kind of like it acts like defensive and he has like he he basically wants things to bounce off him, doesn't want to display his emotions. But he finally the emotions get the best of him when Oscar Isaac arguably has the most elect- elect- electrifying scene in the movie where he interrogates him. Yeah, the third act, he was good. I think Ty Sheridan was good. The first two acts, I just thought he was just reading reading the script. I really didn't feel anything, uh, especially when he was the first scene with him. I was just completely shocked in the acting I, I, with Oscar Isaac. I was completely shocked in that uh, that scene from that performance of Sheridan. But the third act, it's, hey, Oscar Isaac's such an intimidating and like compelling character. It's hard not to, like, like it was pretty... I couldn't, I couldn't, I can't imagine it was that hard to be that emotional or to be that compelling. And when you have Oscar Isaac put in a performance like that, just talking at you like that, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I thought it was pretty powerful from Oscar Isaac more so than a Sheridan performance. Yeah. I I mean, I guess he just overpowered him. I guess that's what you're saying. Just outclassed him when they were on the same screen. They are in different leagues and, but Sheridan was playing a naive kid. Like he's playing a naive kid and then he's going against like a, not going against, he's traveling with a ex-con who has kind of looking to redeem himself and reshape his life and pass on what he knows to this kid. So he doesn't make similar mistakes to him. And I, I think honestly, looking at their relationship, it was like classic Paul Schrader because you know what movie I thought of when I was watching this? First, taxi Driver. Oh, Taxi, taxi Driver. You have like an anti-hero type character, one who thinks he's doing good, but is naturally a bad person, like De Niro, right? Trying to help out a 14-year-old prostitute in Jodie Foster. And here you have an, ex, an ex-con, all right, who has done a lot of wrong in his life, looking to kind of redeem and help out this uh, this kid who's about to make the biggest mistake of his life. So I feel it, it was, it, it's like, it's weird how Paul Schrader loves to attack these characters that are so such terrible people that want to do good. Right. Yeah. And it's fascinating how he wants to do that. Raging bull, like even like such a terrible person, Jake LaMotta <laughs> was. All right. And he thought like, he, he just was so naive and didn't understand the world around him. So it's a little bit different and he had no mentor, but I just like, did the taxi driver pop in your head when you're watching this? Well, Paul, naturally, I'm just thinking of Paul Schrader films, whether it's direct, writing or directing. And like, honestly, a lot of his, like, I didn't, I didn't, to be honest. I just really didn't. I understand what you're saying. And now, now I'm like, it's clicking in my head. But watching it, I was just, I think the intrigue of, of Oscar Isaac's character was in my mind so much that I just didn't, didn't even have time to think about that in the first two acts of the movie. I was just, I guess I was just thinking Paul Schrader. I just immediately think Taxi Driver when I hear his name. Yeah. Even yeah. though he obviously didn't direct it. That's a Scorsese Spe- movie. Well, speaking about Taxi Driver, so obviously Martin Scorsese's name was on the opening credits for this movie. I think everyone's like name was on center. the opening credits. But dude, there were like so many names. I've never seen that many executive producers on a list before in the opening credits. Yeah, it's loaded. It was absolutely loaded, but I didn't recognize any names except for Scorsese. Well, of course, he was, he was the top villain. Yeah, but I didn't know, like, with a name with, like, 30 different executive producers, I guess right. he's getting funding from everywhere. And right, he probably COVID, because a lot of this was done during COVID, right? So he probably just needed extra funding to redo scenes or something like that. But uh, And speaking of COVID, dude, did this, like, there were some, like, interesting scenes in this movie that felt like it was maybe, like, shot 
during a pandemic. <laughs> there was like yeah. scenes where like they go to the World Series of Poker and there's no one there, which is weird. Like literally yeah. no one there. They didn't say they were in a pandemic or anything like that. They didn't say that's the current setting, but they go to all these tournaments and like there's no one around. A lot of times they're going to casinos. They can only count like 10 people in a scene. So I think that really had like some ramifications. I think it actually helped the movie in a way. Because, like, when he's at the World Series of Poker and there's only, like, 20 people in the room, like, the intensity of the film magnifies a bit. And you know what, like, Oscar Isaac is currently going through. And this is the point of the movie where he's so unhinged, you don't know which way he's going to turn, like, what, it, what action he's going to do next. So, in that way, I think it kind of helped it. Yeah. I, speaking about the poker now, I think, so the first act of the movie, you could hear uh, the narration of Oscar Isaac trying to explain to you poker and how to count cards. And although I thought it was interesting, it was kind of fast and it was hard to keep up with. And I thought that they didn't show enough poker scenes where they're actually playing cards and like showing the river get uh, like, uh, like going down the river. And they only showed the last hand, like the last call, like call, whatever. And then they, he, him collecting the chips or not collecting the chips. It was just like they like passed by all the core poker scenes. So I didn't think it was actually like effective having those scenes. Uh, in the beginning telling us hey this is how you play and this is how i count cards because he didn't even end up like we didn't end up actually seeing him do it we just saw him winning or losing i personally think it was a way for like the audience to know and be be aware of how knowledgeable he is about card counting how knowledgeable he is about the game because he wasn't like that prior to going to prison like he went to prison and then became a card counter like he learned the art of doing it and so i don't think you're supposed to really just like especially if you don't know poker like hearing him talk about it you're just like whatever it's going over your head but i feel like every poker movie has that scene where they're trying to explain the The game and it goes over my head like you can never if anyone tries to learn poker from watching a fictional movie like you're never going to be good you will never be good like if you you think you know you think you know exactly what happened in the financial crisis after watching the big short right but this is like obligatory for any single poker movies to have the scene where they explain the game it could be Mm -hmm. beginning of rounders beginning of rounders is like what i think of with matt damon Mm -hmm. playing against and losing to john malkovich for the first time where he's trying to explain his thought process like dude like it's great if you're an actual poker player but if you're an everyday I, I guess ordinary Joe, Joe Schmo, like you're just like, I, I, I don't care as much, I guess. But I guess that's just the movie. It's literally called The Card Counter. So they, they got to have a scene like that. Right. Um, going along here, like, I guess the ending, I don't know if we go, like, I guess we don't have to go into spoilers here just because I know a lot of people haven't seen this movie. But did you, did, were you okay with Schrader's decisions at the end of this movie in terms of, what happens to Isaac's character, and uh, if you could change it, would you, and how? Uh, well, if we're not doing spoilers, I don't really. That's tough. I don't know. Yeah. I was just so to throw something out there. So this is what I think the third act was good, but I think the very very end is why it's not great because I think that at like the last scene of the movie, I think is fine, and I think what happens ultimately is fine. I'm really, I'm, I think that's cyclical. I think that from a writing standpoint and for a script, I think that's good. Well done. But I think the reasoning and not showing us exactly what happens. If you've seen the movie, you understand what I'm saying. Not showing us exactly. Tarantino effect. Yeah. Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, basically. It was, they basically that. That's what happened. And it was just annoying. It was annoying. No, it I was, liked it. And then I see, did not. And then they didn't see, show us. 
They didn't show us the pre. They did a Reservoir Dogs twice with two main characters. No, but seeing him come out of that battle at the end, it was powerful to me. I was just like, damn, I kind of like that. I didn't have to watch that. That's kind of messed up. That like this is this movie's already as dark as it is. Like it's super pessimistic and cynical. Like we've like Mm -hmm. we've discussed like to odds on end. But I thought it was a perfect way to kind of end this movie. And it's like so Paul Schrader, it hurts. It was just, it was exactly spot on how I kind of assumed this would have ended. What I didn't like is the very, very end with hit with Oscar Isaac and Tiffany Haddish's character and like about a relationship between those two that I didn't think was that impactful throughout the movie. And then like acting like they, they were husband and wife by the end. That's what I had a problem with. Yeah. I just wish I saw, like, I wish I saw it. And at least if I didn't see that, then I wish I saw the other thing, not to show the biggest two things that happen in the movie, I think is crazy. You got to show one of them. I guess one. I guess one of them. They didn't yeah. show either. Right. I got yeah. I, I That's guess crazy. The, yeah, but it wasn't his perspective. I don't know if they would have showed it. Like it's like it's the movie's from like Oscar's perspective. So it's like it's gonna be weird if they like all of a sudden took the camera off him once. Right. I They're, agree, I mean, which is why I think they should have done that, that <laughs> done at that time. It, 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 this has got to be like confusing for people who haven't seen the movie and the way we're talking about it. Um. Lastly, I want to talk about the camera work in the film. I want to talk about the fisheye lens that was used in the uh, in the uh, in Iraq at the prisoner of war, um, I guess prison that uh, Isaac was working at. William Tell, his character. What do you think about that um, decision by Schrader? Chaotic, like it, it was good for the chaotic effect, like making the audience uneasy and just really showing how just messed up what was going on was. So I think it was effective. I don't really like the fisheye lens personally, just looking at it, but I understand the uh, why, why it's being used and the art of it, I guess the art of the film. So I understand it. I just don't like looking at it. Yeah, this is where the fisheye lens actually worked. No sort of moves, Steven Soderbergh. I don't think that was appropriate to use it. It felt like mm-hmm. he was just using it because he could. <laughs> yes, but I agree with that. This one was just like, yeah, it's like this place is a is, is a wild house. It's a nut house. It's 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 a, it's a goddamn circus. Like there are <laughs> things like you can't predict or happen. You can't really fully make out like what's happening to these prisoners, how they're being abused, how they're being tortured, walking, how they're being interrogated. I if, thought it worked pretty well. Yeah, and walking into this movie, I just forgot like the synopsis, so I was just taken in for a storm when that when the first scene came back with the fish eyes and the flashback scene i was like oh i forgot this this is this is it big time like i i, I didn't know the synopsis other than the fact i i honestly didn't know the synopsis i just really knew the characters and i know mm-hmm. we talked about it multiple times in the podcast but i just didn't recall but ricky flex i think it's time to get to some scores so what do you give the card counter this is a tough one i i honestly don't know i feel like i'm just gonna be wrong no matter what oh i'm gonna go See, like, I usually have my scores right written at, down. Right after I ask. Like, like, I usually, I, I have them written down before we even discuss. But I, I was thinking, ah, oh, maybe I, I've, I've been debating. This was a slow burn. It's not for everybody. I'm going to go 70, flat 70. Okay. So we're, we're similar. Um, I wanted to like this movie more than I did. Like, I really want it. Like, Oscar Isaac was incredible. I was rooting for this movie. Yes. And I like Paul Schrader. Obviously, he's known for writing certified bangers, certified classics. Um, Oscar Isaac's incredible. I think Tiffany Hash is miscast. Ty Sheridan does bring a lot to the table. Although, I think he's great at the end of the movie. Solid, I should say. Good. Um, Serviceable. The intensity of the movie. It was a slow burn. 
It's not for everybody. That's why I'm going with a 75. Um, I wanted to love it. It's just, I couldn't, like, like I, I think I gave Shang-Chi a 79 last week. I couldn't put a, put above Shang-Chi just because the entertainment factor. And also just, I, I can't just give a movie a 90 plus just because I love Oscar Isaac that much, even though he's that good. Right. I think the, the he's what's carrying my score here. Yeah. He's really it. And we haven't even mentioned like Willem Dafoe. He was barely he's, in this movie. Yeah. That, I, that's another thing I did not like about it. I also was going to hold off. He, that's kind of a they just kept <laughs> They just kept talking about him. And then they met, he had two, uh, three scenes, three scenes. And they weren't necessarily the longest scenes. And they weren't necessarily the best scenes. Like they weren't compelling. I think one of them was good. Um, the other one was just situational. Like you're, you're already glued to the screen because of it. So I just don't think they utilized him enough uh, just for that big of a name. But then again, like, I think it was, I, I just wish I saw more of him. I feel like Willem Dafoe is just doing anything he get his hands on to work on with the great, the work with the greatest actors and work with the greatest directors. Like he literally is in everything. It's insane. Like he's just popping on with Paul Schrader. He's popping on with Oscar Isaac. Then we're going to have him with Robert Eggers and Anya Taylor-Joy. Like he's literally latching on just to anything that'll get, I don't even know why. He's, I think he just loves to work. It's just crazy how he just keeps latching on. Yeah, and do you, and just just trivia. Do you know how old he is? He's got to be like around. He's got to be like sixty six. Wow, he is exactly sixty six. Man, I'm I'm good. I am good. And another thing, I'm just looking right now. Can you guess how tall he is? Five seven. I I was thinking five six. He's five nine. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty. That's I thought he was that's shorter. Literally average. I thought he was shorter though. He looks shorter than that. I don't know. I would still put him. I would put him in the short kings category. I would too. And like, I just watched. So leading up to this movie, I was trying to watch some Willem Dafoe. I was watching some Oscar Isaac movies. I watched At Eternity's Gate when he plays Vincent Van Gogh. Yeah. Wow. It's gotta be what? a sleeper. Wild movie. Like, oh, yeah. dude, think about Vincent Van Gogh no, but, chopping off his ear. Like, you no, know he's but a wild they, guy. But they, they, but the movie like doesn't necessarily tackle what you know about Vincent Van Gogh. Like the, like the ear thing, they kind of bypass it a little bit. Really, and it's still like kind of nuts. Like obviously you see like him with a cut off ear, but they don't like go into it really. Like, at, well, I shouldn't say that, but it's like I, the audience, like the the audience already knows what happened to his ear. It's about yes, everything else. Exactly. I like that. I like I like when movies do that. It was very it was very well done i was shocked like obviously that's another like kind of slow burns about art you know like it's not necessarily the most intriguing or entertaining you're, you're all in for the aspect. performance there and also right. the the cinematography of that movie looked great yes yes because he's in france southern france right but yeah that's i recommend that to anyone that's like interested in bits of van gogh or just like you're willing for a slow burn because oscar isaac also in that movie as well oh yes i i, I remember that so okay that is a 70 from Ricky Flex, 75 from Dr. O for the card counter. Ricky Flex, what are, we, what are we reviewing next week? So that's a big question here. So we could – that's a big question. We could do Malignant, Eyes of Tammy Faye. Oh, uh, maybe. Queen Pins. No. Or we maybe. do a throwback. Wow, that's it for next week? God dang. I thought we were going to be at a hot streak. So I think this is the one break that we have Venom, Many States in Newark, no maybe, time maybe to die. We'll bring, let's, Last let's bring, tool. Let, let's, let's bring Nez back on and then decide which one. Okay. Nez is back for our top billing this week. Our draft will consist of gambling movies. Right before we get started, I just got to say we took a, like a mini break. 
I got to read something to kind of supply Ricky Flicks' conspiracy theory right now. It's important. This tweet says, Warner Brothers leaves the Zack Snyder's Justice League Blu-ray trailer unlisted on their YouTube page, indicating they may be actively trying to not promote the movie's home release. Conspiracy lives on. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I remember. Yeah. So in honor of the card counter this week starring Oscar Isaac, directed by Paul Schrader, we are doing the best gambling movies. Ricky Flex, let's get the spinner going. Decide this draft order. All right, spinning. Spinning. And it's going to go to the doctor. I want to pick second. I will pick second for this draft. Doctor on the two-hole. Ricky Flex spinning again. And it's going to be me. Fantastic. It's going to be me. Uh. I'll go first. Ricky Flex leading off. And then I'm curious that there was no share screen feature this week. I must have oh, broken on Ricky Flex. Oh. <laughs> oh That's okay. Wow. I'm just kidding. I'm just thought you were looking at my screen. I'm not. What's up with that? All right, Ricky Flex. You are now on the clock for best gambling movies. Okay. Tough one. Uh this might be a hot take. I don't think this is going to be both of yours, number ones. I just thought I wanted the first pick just because I know once we get to the last couple of rounds, it's going to be harder. So I wanted the first picks of the last of the last round. Um, I'm going to go Casino Royale. Whoa. I know. I Whoa. know. I, I really don't think it'll be a lot of people, but I love that movie. I think the actual gambling aspect of it, like on the table, my it, it's up there as if not the best gambling like actual poker scenes in a movie i love it daniel craig his jump start the bond is casino royale i love it that's gonna be my first pick pretty pretty epic poker scenes i'll give you that if you see somebody with like a weird eye or something like that at the poker table at the casino they're probably a shark stay away <laughs> Let alone if James Bond is at the table. If James Bond was at the table, I don't think you'd know James Bond at the table. Oh, I would know if James Bond was at the table. You James would not Bond's know. At the table. Oh, you would th- not know. Daniel Craig is most like like if you if a guy looks like that, you're like secret agent, secret agent, secret agent. And especially if he comes back from a car after like being poisoned and then getting his heartbeat like basically regurgitating, like having his girlfriend like pat his heart back to life, and then he returns to the table sweating like a dog. I would assume. That's James Bond. <laughs> that was a little much. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go with my second pick, Ricky Flex. Interesting pick. Not would, Wouldn't have been my first. I'm going to go with Casino. Drop the Royale. Just go with Casino, De Niro, Pesci, Scorsese. It's not as good as Goodfellas, but a lot of people have the idea or opinion that it is. It, yes, it's violent. Yes, it, it's, I think it's the most uh, F-bombs in a movie of all time. It's, <laughs> it's a very mature movie. Um, and I, I think Sharon Stone's awesome in it, although she's unbearably annoying at the end. There's not a ton of like uh, poker scenes here. A lot of it's more focused on the characters themselves and running a casino rather than the poker playing. But casino, first pick, second round, uh, second pick, first round for me. Sharon Stone, like 
unbelievable performance. One of the most hateable characters of all time. And I know that's not the actual gambling aspect of the movie, but that's like my first takeaway from this movie is Sharon Stone in that movie and how much I hate her. Her screaming, like her scream at the top of her, her lungs is like unbearable. It's, it's unbearable. stuck in my memory forever. Unbearable. Those thoughts, anything? Um, I just think of Chance the Rapper. Her casino? A hundred to... De Niro's you ever seen Casino. Nope. <laughs> Boom. That's all I have to contribute to that. We, we need something from Chance the Rapper. It's been a minute. I thought, he, I thought he dropped one song. One song. He dropped one song this year. Oh, he did? Oh, I'll have to check yeah. it out. Uh, Nez, your first round pick. All right. My top two on my big board are still on. This is, this is a good start right now. I got back-to-back picks. First pick, I'm going with Rounders. I'm a huge, huge poker player. I love playing poker. And this movie is amazing. It's like shows the real life of like, you know, somebody who just lives and breathes poker, um, gets in deep and then just has to, you know, figure out a way out. The poker scenes themselves are very tense, but relatable. If you really understand poker, it's really fun to watch this movie. But even if you don't understand it that well, they explain it decently enough where it's fun to follow along. Um, it keeps you on the edge of your seat and, uh, and, uh, it's suspenseful, you know, it's really gritty. I, I, I really like this movie. I think gritty is the perfect word for it. If you're an actual poker player, rounders is everyone's favorite movie, you yeah. know, yes. it's, it's up there. Um, and I, I was just, I was talking to Ricky flicks during the card counter review, which sticks out and what is almost obligatory. I was saying to Ricky for any poker movies to explain like your mind, your process, going through your move, how are you going to take down this guy? Usually they do it the first time you end up losing. They're like, what the hell? That never happens. And then they end up coming up on top at the end of the movie, just like mm-hmm. in rounders. But uh, I think Matt Damon's really great at that. And I, I was also saying to Ricky Flex, if I was going to understand a movie, right, from the thought process and like them explaining it in a more understandable way, it's like a la Big Short and the housing crisis, like similar to that, it'd be Rounders. That's like my education into poker. Oh, yeah. Favorite character, Kanish. Kanish is the GOAT. Kanish. But all right, I'm going to move on to my next one. Um, and that's 21. Wow. I, wow. Yeah. I watched this this hey, one yes. back back in the day. Um and uh I think it's why I play blackjack today, you know? Like I was watching it. I was I think I was like 12, 13 years old and I was watching it and I was like, "Oh my god, I could do this." <laughs> to all casinos everywhere. No, I do not know how to do this. But re- that's another fun gritty one where things get pretty intense. Pretty intense. A lot of these gambling movies get get pretty tense if you ask me. The dynamics of the characters in that movie is so interesting to look at. Uh, we, 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 dropped, we dropped the chaos bomb in the second round, but we knew this one was getting picked. Yeah. <laughs> we knew this one was getting picked. I had to. I just, dropped I, the chaos bomb. <laughs> Big like, time. But it's like also like what you think about, like, what was it? Like MIT students, right? So I think that was the school. Like mathematicians, future mathematicians here. Like you, everyone thinks like they can play poker and they, these people actually can, if they're like that smart, they can count cards easily. These future mathematicians, we've all thought about that. These people actually sure. could do it. Um, 
I'm gonna move. We're gonna move on with the second round here. I, 21. I, I like it. Uh, I think you would have been, been able to get it later, just because I'm. I'm personally not a huge poker guy. I, I, Nez knows that. Ricky this Flex is a blackjack movie. Yeah, I, I know. I mean, I'm talking about cards. I'm just talking okay, about cards in okay. general. I'm talking about going to the casino in general. I don't like enjoy going to the casino that much. So it's like my list is gonna look so different from like a Nez list, who's more mm-hmm. into like the actual card playing aspect. He's more um, degenerate. That's why my second round, I'm just going to go with like another casino, movie that takes place at a casino for the most part. And there is some blackjack play and some poker play, but I'm going to go with Ocean's Eleven. I'm just going to go with that. One of the best like ensemble casts of all time. I got in an argument with Nez's roommate uh, last week, last weekend. And I said, this is a top five cast in any movie of all time. Um, their knowledge of like a casino is obviously extensive. Brad Pitt, go in that movie. I literally think that's my favorite Brad Pitt role in anything. And and that includes Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> oh, and that includes Glorious Bastards. I, I think he's just the ultimate cool guy. It's like this movie personified him. And then George Clooney also just suave as hell. This is, I, I love this movie. I remember there was one summer, me and some friends, once a week, we would watch and we were, we were just actually maybe multiple times a week, but we were just crushing movie franchises. This was I was with one of my friends who had never seen Star Wars. We crushed Star Wars. Um, I think we did Indiana Jones, and then we did a couple other ones. And then we were like, "Yo, let's do the Oceans ones." We watched Oceans Eleven. Had an had a blast. Had a blast. And we we're like, "Wow, this franchise is gonna be sick." And then we watched <laughs> the second one, and it was just that one scene with the late. I mean, the, the whole movie's laughable, but there's that one scene with the lasers in the in, in Oceans Twelve. Yeah. Where I was just literally just like cracking up. Like I was laughing so hard at my screen because it was so bad. There's some flaws in the first one too. And I was rewatching it with uh, Nez's roommate. We'll give him a shout out, Joe. But uh, I was uh, watching it. I was just like, like a lot of of people just forget about some of like the the heist flaws. But it takes so much to have that story come together with so many moving parts. So it's like you almost have to let something slide every once in a while. That's true. Yeah, uh, Rick- the, the old Oceans, I think, is bad movie. It might be a hot take. I know it's well, a, that's another iconic cast, but... I've, I've only seen it once. hated it. Yeah, all right, all right. I, I did not like that movie. All right, Ricky Flex, your second rounder. All right, this was number two on my big board. I'm going with The Sting. The Sting, unbelievable Best Picture winner, 1973. Unbelievable movie. My favorite Robert Redford role, I know a lot of people will say Butch Cast and the Sundance Kid. This is my favorite from him. And people forget Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw as Lonigan in this movie pre-Jaws. Jaws was a few years later, but this was his, like, I won't say his coming out party because it's still Robert Shaw, but I loved him in this movie. I'm going to go with this thing. That's a good one, Flex. I have not seen that in so long, man. I I, I kind of was like holding off on picking that one because I knew you wanted it, and <laughs> I like that's that that's like Red, the that's like the duo of Redford and Newman, Butch Cassidy, and Sundance Kid, man. Like back at it again, Best Picture winner. You said it all, man. Good pick. And the music, also by the way, iconic score. An Oscar-winning score. <laughs> so third round pick for you, Flex. Yes, and. I think I can get my next one on my big board later. Shocking. I'm going to go Molly's Game. Molly's Game. I love that movie. Just it's Sorkin, director, directorial debut for Sorkin. 
and I think Jessica Chastain. Obviously, Zero Dark Thirty is like what, what people think of mostly, mostly, but I think of her as Molly in Molly's Game in this movie. I just think this movie, top to bottom, is awesome. The more I watch it, the more I love it. Molly's Game is my third pick. I know Nez is a huge fan. Love this movie. This movie is freaking, oh my God. I love this movie. Um, I, I don't even know what to say. The poker is great in the movie. Have you guys heard that uh, the Michael Sarah character is based on Tobey Maguire? Yeah, yes. it is. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Love that. Get away from the door. I can't see. <laughs> Sorry. It has nothing to do with the movie, but every time I mention it, there are movie, cars no. there. <laughs> there are cards there. Oh, is that what he said? Oh, yeah, there you go. Now get it. Cards. I got poker. you. Also, anyways, Jared. great, great pick. Um, can can I get a refresher of your second round pick? I was com- I completely zoned out for like forty five. The Sting second rounder. Okay. Cool. And just just marking down here, taking a little note. bit. This is kind of relevant. Jeremy Strong was an ass uh, a hole in this movie. Little precursor to Succession, season three, out in a month. October seventeenth, right? Looking forward to that. Boom. I'm 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 kind of pissed that you took this because this was like the last like actual like card game movie I was going to take the last or like the one I have on my have on my border like a lot of sports gambling ah, I got another one that's like cards but at the same time it's not really it's only a couple scenes so it's gonna be interesting how this like uh this draft plays out from here moving on to my third pick I'm going to go with. Snatch. Wow. Snatch is my uh, talk about another great Brad Pitt role, boxing movie, bare knuckle boxing, sports gambling movie. Uh, Jason Statham, Nez's boy, Nez's dad's boy on this kind of put him on the map, to be honest, uh, in the late 90s Guy Ritchie movie. I don't know. It's just, it has talk about grit. It's got an un, un, uncanny accent coming from Brad Pitt here, one that's almost incomprehensible. You have to turn on the uh, closed captionings in order to understand it, but uh, it's 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 got that underground vibe to it, underground gambling. So I'll go with that. Uh, it's the sna- uh, snatch. When you said Brad Pitt accent, I had to hold everything back in me not to say Gorlami. <laughs> I really almost did it. And and interesting, you picked this one. And there's a guy Richie, Jason Statham, not the T's pick that you could have picked earlier that you could say was there coming out before this one. But I guess for you, you didn't like that one as much, obviously. I, I, so. I like snatch a lot. Like I like, like Brad Pitt is just a predominant, like, like figure on my draft board right now. And we're just sticking <laughs> with it. Well, yeah, you got George Clooney, Brad Pitt, De Niro. Yeah. So I'm going with that's me in the sports gambling aspect, but that's my third round pick. Nez yours now back to back. Wow. Unbelievable. Ooh. I'm kind of shocked. Maybe I zoned out for more than 45 seconds, but did you guys miss uncut gems? Nobody nope. drafted uncut gems yet. I, I, uncut gems. I was, I was, I was thinking about that one. I do like snatch more than uncut gems. Um, I know we reviewed on the podcast. It was the time I watched like uncut gems again, I think I said it on the pod. Like I didn't like it as much the second time I watched it, but, uh, 
Yeah, no, it was definitely the one I was debating for sure. It's a good okay. value in the third. I thought, yeah. I thought that yeah, somebody would have drafted that first round. Right. I'm really happy that it really fell to me here. Well, yeah. I guess I don't know. We were drafting the card game, the card ones earlier, so yeah, I guess that I, makes sense. But I, I had an eight on my board, so I think it's like third rounder. All right, that's uh, yeah, that's right where know. you had it then, right where you had it. Uncut gems. What can we say? We reviewed it a couple weeks ago. If you haven't <laughs> heard us talk about it, go back, go to episode fifty. Uh, three episodes ago, I think it might be 51. 51. I think it's 51. Go to episode 51 yeah. of the Driving Podcast. You hear us talk all about Uncut Gems. Now, Moving on. Oh, do you have another? Four. Oh, my fourth round pick to start the fourth round. I'm going with Rain Man. Rain Man, all time blackjack gambling scenes. Um, very interesting movie. Good movie. Um, but those blackjack scenes are forever iconic. It's a good pick. It's uh, not one that immediately comes to my mind, but it is there. Like, I don't know why. Like, it's like when people think of gambling movies, I don't immediately think of Rain Man. I kind of think of just like Dustin Hoffman's relationship to Tom Cruise, but it is a gambling movie. It is. Yeah. It's a card counter. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, every time I go to the casino, I try to channel Rain Man, you know? <laughs> And just unbelievable performance, Dustin Hoffman, best picture oh, winner as well. Not only best actor, but also best picture. Oh, great pick. Speaking of like, iconic moments in Rain Man, screw it. I'm going to take Hangover as my next pick. <laughs> <laughs> screw it. I'm taking the Hangover. Uh, not a huge portion of this movie. First of all, when they do go gambling the first time, you don't, you don't even witness it. But the pivotal moment of the movie he, uh, Alan is card counting and he's seen the, in the beginning of the movie reading the card counter book. Uh, they're in Vegas. Screw it. I'm going the hangover as the fourth rounder. Yeah. I mean, they ripped right off of, of Rain Man in that movie. As a joke, they spoofed it. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> Which I then spoofed when I went to Arizona with my friend and went to the casino. We recreated the scene going down the escalator. On a that was great. I saw that. <laughs> we should repost that for the we should post that on the driving podcast put it on our instagram story <laughs> who did it better and just swipe right on this week's episode get the, the top billing draft of best gambling movies and it's you just cruising down the elevator <laughs> that'd be that's actually not bad promo right there uh ricky flex on to your fourth pick all right so not sure if you've both seen this movie but for it, this one it's one of my favorite gambling movies Definitely on the sadder side, but uh, Mississippi Grind. Mississippi Grind with Ben Mendelsohn putting on a performance that you'll feel bad for him the entire time, but it's his own fault and you'll understand at the end. And Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds putting on a dramatic acting performance. A little bit of the comic relief, of course, but still putting on a good, very good acting performance next to Ben Mendelsohn and the director, Anna Bowden. What did she direct recently? Captain Marvel. So obviously not great, but still, she's in she's in the works after this movie in 2015. So Mississippi Grind is going to be my pick. I, I actually haven't seen this movie. I've been meaning to see it for so long. It is on streaming. I know Ben Mendel. This is like the begin- Ben Mendelsohn's an amazing actor. He's getting sucked into too many like uh, uh, antagonistic, villainous type mm. of roles where I think he's almost like just being typecast a bit, but this is like more of an emotional touch room. I know you've talked about it. Uh, it's something I definitely want to put on my watch list. And this is also the comeback for Ryan Reynolds. This is like 2015, right? Yeah. Right before Deadpool. 
Yeah, and Ben Mandelson, I don't want to give away another pick, but he's in another gambling movie you could consider. And it was around this time period as well. And he put on a limited performance in that one, as in a time-wise, but powerful performance in that movie as well. But uh, my fifth and final pick, this one's a tough one, but I'm going to go with it. The Color of Money. Damn it. Paul Newman, Cruz, and Cruz, I consider his uh, right before, like right around his prime for me. That's what my last pick is going to (laughs) be. I wanted that pick. I did want it. Not going to lie. Pool hustler. Yeah, kind of like, like what I dream to be when I go to the bar. Just like put the, put the dollar down. I'll take the dollar right off the bat. You don't even get a turn, but that's Tom Cruise. And Paul Newman got his only Oscar for this. Right, right. And yeah, like this is 86. So like Tom Cruise right before Rain Man here and right before uh, Tom Cruise is going to be. This is like the year of Top Gun, dude. Yeah. Like this is like about to be Tom Cruise, like about to go full, full throttle. So I love it. I love seeing sicko mode. Yeah, exactly. And Paul Newman, again, like he puts on a, like obviously he was in so many great movies earlier and just not getting any Oscar recognition, finally getting it. That's why I'm just going to go with it. And also John Turturro, also in this movie, wild. That is wild. Oh my gosh. He's got to look so young in that. Yeah. Oh man. So now it's on to me and I'm going to, I got to give him, I think I'm probably going to give another, I can't give another, I can't give back to back wild picks where it's just like, I did the hangover, which is already kind of a stretch. I'm not going to pick the – I'm not going to tease it. I can't say it out loud. Um, I'm going to go with another sports gambling movie. I'm just going to do Silver Linings Playbook. This is the second time Silver Linings Playbook has been drafted in the last three uh, – four last month on this podcast. We had Peyton PKO on for our best rom-coms where it was selected. It also has sports gambling aspect. Feel bad for those Philadelphia Eagles fans. Fight, Eagles, fight. I'm going with Silver Lines Playbook, fifth round pick. Yeah, Nez's pick in rom coms. Yeah. It's a good movie. It's on my big board. It's just something I hate my list so much. It's just no like gambling movies. They're just like, they're just, oh, there happens to be a gambling scene or there happens to be a casino there, but there's not like, okay, like there's no like, okay, sitting down, walk through like the thought process or, or it's never like, oh, I got a full house while I, while I win this hand. There's nothing like that. They're just pure. They have, yeah, I guess, a you, casino nearby or yeah, they gambled on it. You don't have like, like that iconic scene with the gam- actual gambling in it. I get, no. I get what you're saying, but you have the great movies though. So. Yeah, but it's, this, it's not the gambling. All right, Naz, Mr. or Mrs. Irrelevant. All right. Well, I got to go with one that I've said it as a betting movie before. Sea Biscuit. Sea Biscuit, baby. Odds were 22 to 10. <laughs> See, on him to win. And he won. Thoughts, comments, concerns? <laughs> Was there is there any other horse racing movies that we could have done? I didn't know. I got. I didn't even think about that aspect. Secretariat. Was there some gambling odds in that movie? <laughs> that was. A stretch. I have no idea. I have no idea. Put it on the big board. You were scraping at the barrel. For I can't. That pick. I can't. I can't view it because I don't even like. I, I actually don't remember the gambling in the movie. <laughs> it's been so long. I, well, it was I the guy with the paper. It was the guy with the paper saying, oh, "We got twenty one. Let's see, best get here. Twenty one. Twenty one. Twenty one. Here we go. Here, come, 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 come. That was it. Was that guy? Did you miss that scene? I will not be vetoing <laughs> racetrack. I will not be vetoing due to my poor memory of this movie and the gambling aspects of it. I will have to watch again, but it's already past the draft. My goodness. Uh, That's what I was hoping for. 
Oh, uh, does anyone have any honorable mentions? I'll, yes. I'll read the I'll read the list off, and then we'll get to honorable mentions. But this is Seabiscuit getting picked in the I have one that I draft. Like that was tough. That's why I, I guess I <laughs> Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah, baby. I should have gone with the number one pick if I had the first choice because like you're not scraped at the bottom where I have to pick like Silver Lines Playbook or Seabiscuit. Like, but uh, so Doctor O has Casino Royale. Oh, excuse me, Ricky Flicks has Casino Royale, The Sting. Molly's game, Mississippi grind, and well, Ricky Bush, what was your last one? Sorry. The color of money. The color of money, excuse me, deleted off my screen. Dr. O has Casino, Ocean's Eleven, Snatch, The Hangover, and Silver Linings Playbook. And then Nez has Rounders, 21, Uncut, Uncut Gems, Rain Man, and Sea Biscuit. All Sea Biscuit. Honorable mentions, Ricky Flex, start us off. Okay, well, the one I was toying with my last pick is Paul Thomas, Thomas Anderson's first full feature film, Hard Eight. Philip Seymour Hoffman, Philip Baker Hall, iconic craps scene, iconic. Um, and also, like, Samuel Jackson's in that, John C. Riley, a great cast. I'm going to watch it tonight. Slow burn, but very good. First full feature film, PTA. Um, other ones, Focus with Will Smith. They has oh. the iconic scene at the Super Bowl. Uh, betting on the, with the number or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the one I was talking about, Ben Mendelsohn's Killing Them Softly. The the one, like, the trigger point for the movie is again, the underground gambling. And... Uh, Would have been great for my Brad Pitt team. Yes, yes. Uh, two for the money. Pacino, oh, my God. McConaughey, McConaughey and Pacino <laughs> yes. movie. Don't like the movie. Couldn't pick, but honorable mention worthy. And... Uh, Eight men out. If if we were going sports, I would. <laughs> Eight men out. I had that one. I debated on picking that one. Shout out John Kuzak. Yes. All right. That's it for me. Nez, do you have any honorable mentions? We got Rush Hour for those couple scenes in the in the casino. <laughs> that was really scraped at the bail here. Semi pro. Nobody called anybody a JT. <laughs> oh yes. We, if we did scenes, that would have made it easily. Yeah, um, and that, that's about it. Um, I had Very one. Cool. Oh, I had the card counter as one, and then I had dodgeball, where oh yeah, he puts the bet down at the end after he sees Lance Armstrong. <laughs> oh wow, Lance we are really. <laughs> I I didn't even think about that. That's hilarious. That was if I really had to do it. That was my like, okay. But I already had the Hangover, and I was like, imagine if I had like the Hangover and dodgeball on a draft team of the greatest gambling movies i was like what the hell is wrong with this person the last jedi they go to the casino there yeah oh yeah, yeah. boom another uh a, a, a cool scene but an irrelevant scene to that movie yeah but yeah all that's right. all i got bam uh that's gonna do it for our draft and that's also gonna do it for our episode Thank you for listening to episode 54 of the drive-in make sure you're tuned in to our social media on tiktok uh, Twitter, Instagram, at the drive-in pod. Make sure if you're listening, you're sharing on your story that you're listening. We'll shout you out on the pod. We got merch coming. We'll give you a shirt. Maybe if you're nice and you rate us five stars and you'll listen to every one of our podcasts on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple podcasts, the whole nine yards on all of them, all platforms. Listen to everyone. That's it for this week. Episode 55 next week. We will tell you what the review is via Twitter we will smell you. Please.